Well, David and I used to be keen dinghy sailors. In fact, it's only probably a couple of years ago that we swapped our sailing dinghy for a kayak. Um, but many, many years ago, um, when we were attending another church, the vicar there was also a very keen dinghy sailor. And he used to organize sailing holidays, and, and very good they were too. One such holiday was on the Isle of Wight. We sailed, it was just after Easter, we sailed our dinghies across the Solent without incident, and we had a really good week sailing. And then on the last day of the holiday, we had to sail the boats back across the Solent to the mainland. Now, I think you might guess what might be coming next. Yeah, the weather was actually quite bad that morning to start with, uh, but we had to get back because we were going to work the next day, etc., etc. And so we thought that we could still make the crossing, and we set out four boats. We camped near Yarmouth, and we needed to sail along the coast to the Isle to um, uh, along the coast of the Isle of Wight to Cowes, and then make the crossing back to the mainland. David, in the meantime, had taken the team's Land Rover on the ferry at Cowes, and he was somewhat alarmed when the ferry was held up because of the bad weather. And I can still remember actually quite vividly setting out in this dinghy and the powerlessness that I felt when you're at the sort of pit of the waves, in the trough of the waves, you couldn't actually see the mainland because the, the swell was so heavy. And the fear that I felt every time we sort of sank out of sight. Um, I can't remember praying. I'm sure I did. Uh, but it felt like a minor miracle that actually we managed to land all the four boats on the beach at Cowes. One of them was actually smashed up on some rocks um, as it came in but we did actually all arrive safe and sound. Uh, we, we later learned that David had called the Coast Guard. <laughs> so when I read this passage in Luke, I had no difficulty in imagining the scene and imagining the terror of it. Um, I've been fortunate enough to visit the Sea of Galilee, and although it was really calm and serene when we were there, it does have a reputation for becoming very quickly squally and unpredictable, particularly in the winter when the winter winds blow off the higher tablelands and they come down the steep ravines which encircle the lake. Now, first century fishing boats were not particularly robust. They were open to the elements, they were powered just by a single square rigged sail, and they were steered by long rudder oars. Uh, they were very much prone to capsize. And so, as the water swamped the boat, those disciples must have been in fear of their lives. Now, this story has been included in Matthew and Mark, as well as Luke. And there's a similar story of Jesus calming a storm, which appears in John's Gospel. What is it about this story that New Testament writers thought was so important that all of them needed to include it in their accounts of Jesus. Well, I think that one reason that is because 
we've all experienced storms coming our way in life. And this story works on far deeper levels than simply a storm in a lake. And it can act as a metaphor for us now, as followers of Jesus, that we can encounter him in the storms of life that come the way of all of us. A generic word for those storms might be the old-fashioned word tribulation. Um, It's the bad stuff that happens to each and every one of us at some point or other in our lives. It's a sort of inevitability of being human. And this story can both teach and encourage us when we face difficult times. Now, the story came over very freshly for me earlier this week through the testimony of a friend of mine um, as I was beginning to prepare what I was going to say today. I'd known that she had recently been going through a difficult time, but I was quite unprepared for her exclamation when I casually mentioned the passage that I was preaching on this Sunday, uh, when she said, Oh, that's a passage that God really spoke to me through. I just kept coming back to it. Now, she's given me permission to share her story and to look at the passage through the lens of her recent experiences, her experiences of of tough times. So that's what I'm going to do now because I believe that there's quite a lot that we can learn from it. So the biblical account starts in the most ordinary way. Jesus wants to cross over the Sea of Galilee. And so he asks his fishermen disciples if they can go across, if uh, they can all go across in their boat. Just another routine crossing, starting in calm waters, so that Jesus, probably tired from preaching to the crowds, fell asleep in the boat. And then the squall suddenly blows up and hits the boat. It swamps it. Now, these men were professional fishermen. They were used to a variety of weather conditions. They knew their boats, and they knew just how dangerous their situation was. And I think probably, worst of all, they knew that they were powerless. They were totally at the mercy of the storm, powerless against the winds and the waves that had hit them so unexpectedly. Now, many of our storms in life blow up without warning, and so often we're powerless to alter the course of events. My friend's daughter at uni in the north of England went for a routine blood test. It unexpectedly came back with some very sinister signs, the possibility that she was suffering from leukaemia. Now, the nature of the subsequent investigations meant that it would be three weeks before they definitively knew the results. Now, like those professional fishermen on the lake, my friend is a health professional, and she can interpret a haematology printout, and she knows the score in terms of a bad diagnosis. She described reading this passage and empathizing with the utter powerlessness of the fishermen. She felt just totally swept along at the mercy of those who were those continuing investigations. And she described to me that although her prayers were 
almost totally focused on her daughter and her situation, it felt as though God was silent or, or even absent. Jesus was asleep in the boat, apparently oblivious to all that was going on around him. However, he was physically with them. The disciples were powerless to keep the boat from capsizing. All they could do was to wake Jesus up and tell him the situation. We're going to drown. I'm guessing, perhaps in the slim hope that the Jesus who they'd previously seen performing miracles of healing would somehow be able to save them, or at least to do something. Mark's account puts a bit of an edge on their words. Master, don't you care if we drown? I suspect that many, many of us can emphasize with this in our own stormy times. Stormy times when, probably for most of us, faith and doubt just sort of run alongside each other. God, do you really care about me? Are you asleep? Are you really there at all? I've certainly had that experience, and I suspect that I share it with many of you. Now, we also get very little insight into how long the disciples struggled with the boat in the storm. Indeed, how long it took them to wake Jesus up. But the story shifts dramatically once Jesus rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. The situation was transformed from a turbulent and dangerous one to one of peace and calm because of Jesus' actions. My friend was driving up the motorway to stay with her daughter and accompany her to the doctor's appointment where the results of the investigations will be made known. And it was at that point that she had what she described as a breakthrough when she had a strong sense of God's presence with her and a very deep sense of peace accompanying that. She moved from being in a turbulent storm to a deep calm, and, and with it, a specific assurance that God's grace was enough for the next step, whatever that might be. Now, the incident in the Bible passage we read today took place relatively early in Jesus' ministry. The disciples hadn't been with him for very long. And we read that they were terrified by Jesus' power to still the storm. Perhaps a better way of describing their feelings might be awestruck. They had learned something about Jesus and his power that day that would remain with them for the rest of their lives. Now, my friend has been a Christian for many years, but as she described what had happened to her, she reflected back to me something along these lines. Looking back, I realized that God had been with me all along. He always was in the boat with me, as it were. Why did I have to spend so long, wait so long, nearly three weeks of anguish prayer before I had a felt sense of God's presence and the peace that it brought. She said, I don't know the answer to that. But I do know that there was something about experiencing both the storm, 
and God's peace and the contrast between them that has built up my faith. It has built up my faith. I think this is one of the key reasons why all the gospel writers wanted to include this story in their accounts of Jesus' life and ministry. This incident was by no means the last storm in the disciples' lives. Their faith in Jesus took a big wobble in the storms of Holy Week when Jesus was arrested and condemned to death. They all deserted him. Peter denied him three times. In spite of his protestations of loyalty, all only the night before, they were human, just like us. But they came through, and ultimately, their faith in Jesus was so strong that many of them ended up dying for it. I wonder whether some of them just looked back to that incident on the lake and they gained strength from it when they faced future storms. My friend's story isn't over either. Thankfully, her daughter doesn't have leukemia, but there are medical investigations that are still ongoing. However, she testifies to a qualitative difference in the faith and trust that she has, with more certainty that God has things in his control, however uncertain and out of control life circumstances might make her feel. Drawing some of these threads together, what can we learn of this passage today? Some of you here might be in the middle of storms in your own lives. You might even be feeling that God is asleep or absent from you. I hope that this story will help you to realize that Jesus is, in fact, in the boat with you all the time, even if you don't sense his presence. The disciples had faith enough to realize that Jesus might be able to help them, and they told him their fears. And we can simply do the same in prayer. And if prayer seems impossible, we can ask others to pray for us and our situation. Jesus' intervention in the story, his mastery over the waves and weather, were in sharp contrast to the disciples' helplessness. So I hope that this passage might encourage us to look to God with more confidence when our own situations seem out of control or even hopeless and to realize that at a deeper level that he is upholding the whole of his creation and that includes us. It may be that you're in a quiet place in your life just now Can you look back and remember a time when you discovered God with you in the middle of one of life's storms? I know I can. Time doesn't permit me to tell you my story, but if you want to know, you can come and ask me afterwards. But if you can remember such a time, just pause and thank God for it. Remember how it enlarged your faith. And maybe share it with someone who's currently going through a stormy time themselves in order to encourage them. Paul said to the Corinthian church, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who comforts us in all our troubles, 
so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Finally, I think this story encapsulates really well our purpose statement as a church to encounter, celebrate, and share God's transforming love. Whether we are in stormy times and need to encounter God afresh, to realize that he's in the boat with us and can uphold and transform us. Whether we're in quieter times, And we can look back and celebrate those stormy times that have grown our faith. Whether God is nudging us today to share our story with others, to encourage them, as my friend did to me this week. It's a story that works on many levels. And it's my prayer today that God will use it to grow your faith, whatever situation you might be in.